Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. and then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, we have children's ministry available for both services and if you need to get more information on the church you can go to calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll be in the book of Mark chapter 14 verses 43 through 52. The title of this sermon is Jesus Betrayed, Arrested, and Scripture Fulfilled. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. He ends up cutting off an ear. And one thing I want to make sure you get out of this is this is all emotions, feelings, and anger. Peter did this in his emotions and feelings, and then anger pursued it, and then wrath right behind it. He fell into sin. But what did Jesus tell him? You know, maybe you should have been awake when, when you were supposed to be praying because you fell right into that temptation. Matthew 26, verse 51 through 53, and it says, And behold, one of, one of those who were there, uh, who were uh, with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew a sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Violence breeds violence. Okay? The gospel is not violent. The gospel is not violent. I am a, and we'll, we'll talk about this because, you know, we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 6, 15, it says, And as the shoes of your feet have been having put on the readiness given by the gospel of what? Peace. Yes, you have a sword. The sword is the word of God. You don't have a physical sword. You have a Bible. And that's why we went over that this past week, Ephesians 6, 17, and take, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And, and back in Matthew, it, it tells you, do, do you not think I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? He's like, look, I can, this can end right now, but it's not supposed to. This is not what the Father wanted. See, Peter is dealing with his own self-interest. And he was, instead of living by God's authority and seeing the Scriptures be fulfilled, he wanted to see his own, his own self-interest be taken care of. Now, don't get me wrong, Peter had a lot of zeal, but it was misplaced zeal. This is what happens when, we, when somebody speaks out in anger, how are you going to respond? You know, how are you going to react? Are you going to lash back out at them? Because let me tell you something, when people start pulling out swords of anger, it, it becomes bloody because it gets this battle back and forth. And that's not what we are. We, it is the gospel of peace that we have. Anybody ever watch hockey? I know I'm probably the only one. Hockey is a really crazy thing, man. It's, it's pretty cool to watch in person. It's hard to watch on TV. 
But let me tell you, some of the some of the, the, the greatest players were the scorers, right? But you, you cannot be uh, someone in hockey that just allows your anger to keep you in the penalty box, right? You spend all your time in the penalty box and you're not scoring goals. You're not being used for what you were supposed to be out there to be used for. You're actually hurting the team because you're sitting in the penalty box. And Jesus asked that question in verse 48 in Mark 14, and Jesus said to them, Have you come out against me as a, against me, a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? These men were, were coming in power, and the sword was power. It was used for fear at the time. And they used the sword to control and manipulate uh, the people. The religious leaders used it to bring the thugs with the swords. He's like, you, you come to me, and he goes, I've been in the temple. I've been, y'all have seen me. You could have arrested me at any time. And see, Jesus isn't protesting the arrest. He's protesting the way that the chief priests and the elders are handling it. It's the way that they're handling it. They're, they're, they're handling him as if he's a robber. Now, he's going to be put between two robbers on the cross, and yet he didn't belong there. Who was supposed to be there? Barabbas. It's sad. But he tells them in verse 49, Day after day I was with you in the temple and you did not seize me. You didn't seize me. A couple of things that are real important. What time of day did they come to pick him up? It was nighttime. Where did they come to pick him up? In the garden. They didn't do it in the city. Why? Because there could be a riot. They would protest. And so they did it at night and away from the city. That's what Jesus was upset about. That's what he was upset about. The way that you're handling it, the way that the chief priests and the scribes, they're breaking all of their laws to get what they want. And we see that happening today in our world. We have a, a, a law that we're supposed to follow, and yet we don't follow it. When 75% of our laws were based upon the Bible, when we walk away from the law of God, we walk away from the law of, of the land, we're walking away from the Lord as well. And we're seeing cities like New York and Los Angeles and Chicago that are just, they look like places that I served in combat, literally. And, and it breaks my heart, man, because at the end of the day, those are broken people. They're broken. They're being left to their own devices. Some people need the law. Sometimes when somebody gets put in jail, that's the time when they go, I need Jesus. Prison ministry is one of those things, man, that, you know, Matt and, um, and, and Jimmy and Mike Rios and them are looking at going to the juvenile detention centers here hopefully soon in the next year. Let me tell you something. A lot of times that's, that's rock bottom for people. And that's when they come to the place where, I, you know what, I've done everything my way. I need to, I need to do it Jesus' way. And they give their life to Christ. We need to understand that that... that we have, you know, as we look at this, they're breaking their own laws, that they're walking away from the things that they were supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> think about it. They were telling Jesus during the Sabbath that they're breaking the law of the Sabbath, and yet they're breaking the law. Hypocrites. Whitewashed tombs. In Luke chapter 23, verse 43, or 53, I love what it says. When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour... And the power of darkness. The power of darkness. Satan is at work. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. It says he delivered us up from the dominion of darkness. 
and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And in John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, This is the message that we heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. Think about it. I remember when they had to come, we had a huge leak backed up, I think, where the easement was for our house, and they had to come in, and they dug. It took almost a week for them to fix the saws. It happened at nighttime. Man, you want to see something scary? Open that manhole and shine a light in it, and you see all the roaches just, and that's what light does. They scatter. They don't want to be near the light. They want to keep everything in the dark. And that's what they were trying to do here. They're trying to keep it all in the dark, trying to keep it all under wraps because they're going to have his, as we go into the next few weeks, they're going to have his trial. They're going to just keep, let's just get it going so we can get him crucified. But he says, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. You know, there's some 108 prophecies that have been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Even in Zechariah's prophecy, it was written some 500 years before when it talks about them, uh, the shepherd and the sheep, uh, as the sheep scatter in Zechariah 13:7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the, the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, and I will turn my hand against the little ones. That prophecy was written some 500 plus years before Jesus ever walked the earth. And it was fulfilled along with 108 other ones. And the probability of those things being fulfilled, when you look at the math on it, there was a mathematician, I believe, out of Stanford that actually did the math on it. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely crazy. And yet we know that even in the book of Isaiah and, and, and chapter 53, there were so many prophecies that were fulfilled. Time and time again. How many prophecies did Muhammad fulfill? Not a one. Not a one. How many did Joseph Smith fill? Not a one. Jesus did. And he's going to continue as he comes back during his second coming. And then he's not going to be the lamb. He'll be the lion. In Mark 14, 27, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And we know that they all took off. They all took off in, 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 the, in verse 50, and they all left him and fled. They booked. They're gone. Like, I'm out of here. They seized Jesus. They have swords. They have clubs. They have power. We're done. And they scatter. And he knew this. And it's sad because, you know, at the end of the day, that happens sometimes. You know, you, you start serving with somebody and, and you, you try to figure out what happened and they just scatter. It happens. You can end up in a room like this and they go, well, this is not what I thought this was going to be. And they scatter. And it's like, you know, Jesus went from place to place, spoke outside, spoke in a boat. Now, I would have loved to have been there for that one. Right? That's beach ministry 101, man. You want to be there for that. But the church is never a building. We forget that. These things had to happen. Everything being set up by God. John 15, 20 says, Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. They all fled. All of them fled. Uh, you choose to follow Christ, you will be persecuted. Not once. Many times. And, and persecution is different for, for different places. Some people lose their life. Some people put, are put in jail for their belief in Jesus. I think, I think America is going through just a little taste of what it is to be pressed. And, and that's why, you know, getting out and, and meeting people and talking about the gospel and having somebody come in and grab tacos and inviting them to church, man's here cleaning. He was hungry. Nobody fed him. That's what we're here to do. We're here to we're here to we're here to uh, to to feed them physically and spiritually if we can. That's the that's the point. And not everyone, you know, even though that man was sitting out there by himself, and there were people eating down in the other room, we need to be looking for those people that are outcasts, that are outsiders. We need to be looking for them because they need Jesus. That's what the church has forgotten. We've gotten so busy on building these big buildings and having all this stuff that we forgot about the people on the outside of the walls of the church. And we have to, we have to be busy about doing that. That's why we invite people to church. That's why we tell people about Jesus. We have to be willing to do that. I watched my wife as she sat and did face painting, talk to those little kids one by one. And, and it's, it's amazing. The church has to get back to the public square. We can't walk the middle of the road anymore. Our weapons are not physical weapons. Our weapons are the truth of the Word of God. We have the Bible. We have our, our, our truth. We have our love. We have our prayer. But I want you to think about this just for a second. The moment the church was removed from the public square happened back in the late 60s when they stopped praying in school. You can't pray in school. And then there was this great falling away in the school system. And then what do we do next? Ten Commandments. No, no, no. Can't have that up. Matter of fact, you can't even have that up in the courthouses. Took it away. We've seen, and I love the way Governor Huckabee said this. He says, far from more than just taking prayer or Bible or reading out of schools, it is a fact that people sue the city now to have a manger. If there's a manger scene, they sue the city. In California, they had a cross for the, the fallen soldiers and they wanted the cross removed from the mountain. They want to make Christian businesses forced to pass out abortion pills. And at what point does the church say enough and say, look, that's, that goes against God's Word, right? So I see guys like Jack Hibbs and I see guys like John Randall and I, I see men, uh, even like, uh, I forget the pastor's name, out of God Speak Church when he... He, what was put on his heart is the church still needs to meet in California. And they almost took his church. A million dollars in fines. And even the, the Christian bank that had the loan wanted to foreclose his loan. He ended up getting all that money back because he won the lawsuit in, in the Supreme Court. But he stood for what God had put on his heart to stand for and at some point, Christians have to start standing again. We have to get back into the public square. And I'm not saying that you go and you, you have the Bible, you have the truth, you give it with love, and you, and you spend time praying. We need to be involved in the city 
and the chamber and the schools, right? And with the other churches. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. The church has gotten away to where they just hide in their, their buildings. It's become a bomb shelter. And they don't really care what happens on the outside of the walls of the church. And they know how to be Christian inside the walls of the church, but they don't be Christian outside the walls of the church. And what happens is, is we're not sharing the gospel. We're not standing and saying, hey, that's wrong. You trying to teach a five-year-old child or a six-year-old child about being transgender is wrong. That's not your responsibility as a teacher. And the church has to get back into the public square. And we've seen too many times where we're, we're running away from this. We're running and fleeing from the spiritual battles. The same way the disciples fled, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. One day, and I probably won't be here, but one day, you teaching about homosexuality or you teaching about transgender or gender will cause you to be put in jail as a pastor because that's what they're coming for next. And, and at the end of the day, we have to understand, like, we stand on God's truth. And we need to not flee from those fights in our personal lives and in our public, in our public life. Like, we need to, hey, we need to stand for God's word. We need to. And that has nothing to do. Do you understand? Did I say anything about political parties? No. Doesn't have anything to do with it. God's word is not a political party. God's word is not master, unmasked, vaccine or not vaccine. It's God's word. If it goes against God's word, then that's what we stand on. That's when we say this is not right. We need to get involved. That's why I say, I, you know, I love servants in the church. It's awesome. But I also love like Reuben. Reuben teaches baseball. He gets to be with kids I would never get to see on a weekly basis. And he gets to be a, a man of God in front of them. You go, man, Mike, I think I want to run for office. Praise God. Go for it. I want to run for the school board. Praise God. Go for it. We need more Christians in those places. Not every person is called to be a pastor, preacher, evangelist. Not every one of us are called to do that. God may have gifted you with something else. But stop fleeing from it. Stop running from it. Be a light where you're at. I'm sorry, I get a little, I didn't realize we're in such a small room. I get passionate when I get into stuff. I apologize. But I didn't realize we're in a small room. It's probably echoing, and I apologize. Um, but it says here, it says, um, one of the things I want you to understand is Peter's day. Peter had a rough day, okay? Peter had already been told he was going to be sifted by Satan, right? And he, told, he was told by Jesus in Mark 14, 29, Peter said, even though they will all fall away, I will not. And yet Jesus fell away. Uh, Peter fell away. Peter fell. Right? Peter was supposed to be awake when he was supposed to be praying. What was Peter doing? Sleeping. How many times? Three times. And Christ told him, look, you're going you're to need to be careful because you're going to fall into temptation. And what did Peter do? He fell right into temptation and cut that man's ear. It's a rough day of ministry for Peter. And there'll be days like that when you're doing ministry. And you know what? God loves you and God wants that, uh, that, that, that repentance. And sometimes, uh, even, even as Peter, you know, it's a reminder to us that Peter was rebuked by Jesus. And what does Peter do? And that's why I'm bringing this up. He takes off. He fled. And sometimes what happens is when somebody rebukes you, they're gone. 
They're in the wind. I, I w- if I ever have to correct you, it will be with love and truth. And the last thing I ever want you to do is flee. But can I tell you, I've been rebuked before. The word itself even sounds painful, right? It needed to be done. My pastor pulled me aside and said, hey, Mike, the way this was handled was wrong. It hurt. I had only been walking with the Lord for maybe, maybe three years. And that was the first time I had messed up. And I messed up in the church. I got upset with somebody. And, and I was prior military, and he kept coming forward at me. And because I had served in combat, when somebody comes forward at me and won't stop, and I ask them, just give me space, I'm thinking, I'm fixing to take you out. And so I'm working my way out of the church, and the brother followed me. And thank God, one of the other brothers grabbed him and said, hey, just give him some space. And somebody prayed for me. And then I had to walk in and do worship. And I was like doing worship, just like cringing. By the time the word hit, tears start flowing. And my brother, man, you know, he, he was like one of the things that really hurt. As he said, man, he goes, when you spoke to me, you spoke to me with no love. And it didn't matter who was right or wrong at that point. Because that's what he received. And I said at that moment, I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean it in that way, and it, but it was taken that way, and I apologize. My pastor was like, these things happen. Sometimes we get very passionate. But sometimes we do things in the flesh, and you're doing too much in the flesh. We were there seven days a week. We were on, I mean, I was, I, when I talk to people about burnout, when I ask you to slow down, it's because I see you going down a path that I've already been down. I was on fire. I thought, man, I'll just, I'll be here all the time. Didn't want to be anywhere else. I loved it so much. But I was tired. And sometimes we do get rebuked. And in those rebukes, there should always be love and truth. Always. Okay? Always. And, and that's what I pray, you know. And I pray you don't flee. I would rather you tell me, just be honest with me. And say, man, that hurt, dude. Because right? I'd rather, I'll receive that. And say, well, maybe I can present it in a better way next time. I apologize, you know. But at the end of the day, that's what, that's what being in the church is, you know. We're family. Sometimes we step on toes, you know, and, it, and we have to be careful. Um, but we want to be here in unity, and we don't want to see anybody flee. Last little point here in, uh, is scattered and streaking. A young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Every time I read this as a new believer, I was like, what in the world? Is, why is this in here? It's very embarrassing. And that's why I said streaking. Scattered and streaking and all. But this we know was most likely, most everybody agrees, this is Mark. Mark was a young man at the time, and uh, he's the, the writer of the book of Mark. Uh, he received the information from Peter. You can imagine Peter saying, hey, include this. Can you imagine him going... Not that, dude. And so the, the garment that he would have worn uh, during this time in the Greek actually means it's a, it's a tunic. Uh, one that we've seen in the Middle East many times. It's a, it's a very lightweight garment that they wear on a daily basis uh, to keep out of the heat because uh, it's so hot over there. And it tears and rips very easily. Uh, so all you have to do is grab it and you can come out of it pretty quickly. Uh, there's parallels here to the Garden of Eden. Why? They were naked, right? And in our nakedness, he exposed the, uh, that we deserted God. And, and here we have this young man, Mark, deserting God and taking off as well. 
And uh, there's going to be a book into this too because the term that's used there is young man. This is the very beginning of the, uh, as Jesus is seized and then the trials are going to begin and it's going to seem like, man, everything is, 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 is going wrong, but we know that there is victory at the end. And he uses that term again in Mark 16, verses 5 and 6. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And so the young man they're talking about is actually an angel in white robe. And so it's a bookend as we look at the two uh, from the Garden of Gethsemane to, uh, to after the crucifixion, the resurrection. And, and it's just a great picture of uh, the victory of God that we see. And, and it's, it, again, you read this and you're going, man, why was this included? One of the most probably embarrassing moments of a kid. I mean, 600 soldiers. You can imagine. They're going to laugh. I can tell you, you've been around the military, something like this, they're going to giggle, they're going to make fun of you, they're going to laugh. It's embarrassing, but he had to include it. Peter had him include it. And that's because of that parallel of them leaving the garden, fleeing Jesus the way that Adam and Eve were hiding in their nakedness from God, their sin. So all the disciples are gone. Jesus is seized, and next week we'll enter into the trial. And then our last little bit of application. And then this is where we'll finish off. I haven't done these in a while. I don't know why I had these this week, so I'm going to do these. Sometimes I try to give you something to think about after the, the teaching. First application. When you have to start going to great lengths to cover yourself and what you do, you may be doing something wrong. Is there something wrong going on in your life that needs to be dealt with? If you're hiding it, thinking you're hiding it from God, you're not. Okay? You need to repent. You need to walk away from it. You need to deal with it. Judas went to great lengths to steal money. Judas went to great lengths to betray Jesus. And yet, Jesus knew the whole time. And we just need to repent and turn back to the Lord. Second application, are you fleeing Jesus? Maybe you're running from a spiritual battle. Why? Why? Maybe you're running God has put something on your heart to do and you're fleeing from it. Why? The disciples fall. They take off. And yet, you know what the beauty of that is? Jesus loved them enough to restore each one of them. Except Judas. Because Judas never believed. And yet, that was the men that birthed the early church. And you go, man, they fled Jesus. Peter chopped the dude's ear off. And yet, God's going to restore each of them. But Jesus never gave up on them. And he doesn't give up on us. So if you're, if you're fleeing from a spiritual battle, stop fleeing. Stop and ask Jesus to help you steady your feet and follow him. Peter struck someone with anger. Are you responding in your emotions and feelings? Are you being led by God or are you doing the leading? Because Peter jumped out. Jesus didn't tell him, hey, pull your sword out, strike somebody. Peter just went, let's go for it. And he, he was going to deal with the repercussions later. What if Peter would have been killed? What if Peter would have killed the soldier and struck him in the head? What are they going to do to Peter? Kill him? What does that do? At the end of the day, we need to be slow 
in our reactions and, and not allow emotions and feelings to control our day. Okay? That's important. And then lastly, have you been rebuked before? How did you respond? It says a lot about your heart. Did you disagree and argue? Because it's just exposing what's going on. Great little piece of scripture. A lot of little details in there. Even though you read it and you go, okay, Jesus was arrested. By 600 temple soldiers and Roman guards. And he saw them two miles away coming. And yet he didn't run. Because he knows what he has to do on the cross. And he does it for us. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the, the post office. Uh, if you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.